This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play. 13 seconds left. Coleman looking to grab it. Dano trying to center it. Knocking it away. Yanni Gord. He clears it. He clears it. I don't think this is going to be an icing. No. Three seconds left. Petrio final shot. The Lightning have done it. They have done it. They have gone back to back for the second year in a row. They have won the Stanley Cup. This ain't no number one BS. That's right. I want that to be played next year, Dave, when we have the three-peats. <laughs> That's that a double negative. That is a double negative. You know, a my, lot of people my use... Grammar, my grammar background of trying to write articles and press releases, and even now, writing. The double I, negative. That's a little bit of the nails on the blackboard for oh. me. I know I'm a nerd in that regard. But. No. But you know what, though? You, you speak for a living. You write as well. I think you need a little... You have to have a pretty decent grasp of the English language. Yeah. The double negative always irritates me. I'll tell you what else also irritates <laughs> as you, me. As you uh, open the show. I, we're just ripping Act off one, this band-aid. Double yeah. negative from well, my mom, My mom's a speech therapist, was a speech therapist. So, like, every time growing up I spoke incorrectly, my mom was there to say, no, it's it should have gone, not yeah. should have went. But how many times, Dave, do you hear people say, he should have went here? <laughs> I mean, it's. I think just that's a Pennsylvania thing too. Having you think spent, it's a Pennsylvania? Having spent eleven years in the state, yes, in the Commonwealth. Are, are you taking a shot at? at no, that's just every region has its own kind of weird, if I'm going to use that word, colloquial expressions. Yeah. So when my kids were young, and they would misspeak, I would did you say, get? Did you have the belt? No, 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 I would okay. say, ah. Uh, the grammar police and I make the <laughs> woo woo woo. The grammar police are coming. Did you really? I yeah. want you to do that. That'd be tremendous. Well, I'd pick up the phone, like calling the grammar police. <laughs> that would be so annoying. So you for me. I'd be like, Come it, on, right? Dad. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, nerd. But, but you know what though? That's, that's I wear that mantle kids. proudly. That's all right. As long as your kids speak and write well, I think it's a lost art a little bit today. But you know, kudos, kudos to all the parents who are grinding it with their kids to make sure that they're speaking well. Hopefully we speak well for an hour, Dave. Sometimes yeah, and this a little... is a course on how to fill an hour when you're in between the the team. And yes, the we are. No, we are. Okay. Draft. Yes, yes. Talk about grammar for five well, minutes, well, and then you have let, fifty-five minutes left. Well, we have a lot of tweets that we want to get to yes. because a lot of people the last we'll couple of days have reacted to the Seattle expansion draft. Of course, we know that's going to be kicked into high gear this weekend we're gonna have a pretty good idea after sunday who's been protected who hasn't and we want to take some of your questions there and address them we also have a poll question at my twitter page dave at greg Linelli. how many players will the lightning lose this offseason you and i kind of threw it out there i don't know if we got into the nitty-gritty in terms of actually yeah, how many players you are including the ufas correct not be returning Correct. So include Coleman, right. include Goodrow, Savard. I think Luke Shen probably is in that that category as yeah. well. And, that would and be like a passive action as opposed to being active being proactive. or proactive. Yeah, like Correct. like trading somebody or yes. or we could even say exposing somebody in the expansion draft and yes. losing that player. So we gave you three options. Two is the first one. Three to four is the second. Five or more is the third. We just gave you three options, and that voting is going to be good 
really until what's today thursday it's going to be good until saturday early on so we've already had close to 250 votes uh, as this is uh being discussed so pretty good feedback there we'll get to some of your comments as well i do want to jump in here greg yeah, because you have talked a lot about that simulated protected list you did on cap friendly yes and i found it really interesting and this is tying to our conversation tying back to our conversation with Elliot Friedman yesterday. So two of our favorite people who come on the show a lot, Eric Erlinson, lightninginsider.com, and a regular contributor on Lightning Radio as well, yep. and Joe Smith from The Athletic, each had articles today. And before we came on the, the show, I was I was getting through the clips and, and reading them that are provided to us. And both, they didn't do articles only about the protected list and the expansion draft but each of their articles contained information about it and each of them if i can if i can frame it this way kind of put forth what they felt would be the most likely route the lightning went they didn't necessarily specifically they did specifically name players but they they were stronger in their opinion on which route the lightning would go seven three and one or eight and one and it was interesting that Eric was with you and went seven, three, and one, but Joe projected the lightning would go eight and one. And and Joe's reasoning was very much in line with what we heard from Elliot Friedman yesterday, which is that if you are prioritizing the three peat, and that is at the top of your your priority list and why wouldn't it be right but sure. like if you aren't just going to say we want a three-peat if you're going to really make decisions that are going to help you the best ryan mcdonough needs to be on your team elliot said and that was joe's reasoning basically and you know you look at what vegas did in 2017 and I think the 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 team, whether it's Vegas in 2017 or Seattle this year, like there are a minimum number of position players they need to select. So they're going to make 30 picks. Vegas is exempt, by the way. Yes. Vegas is not having to to lose a player. But of the, the 30 teams, Seattle needs to pick 14 forwards, nine defensemen, and three goalies. And that was the same that was true for Vegas three years ago or four years ago now. And Vegas took more defensemen. And you might say, well, why do they take more defensemen? Well, if you're going to figure that what is what is more valuable, a team's fourth best defenseman or eighth best forward? Probably the fourth best defenseman. And then, of course, Vegas got a lot of good players through side deals with teams where they're like, well, we don't want you to take this player, so take Marcheseau, Right. <laughs> Or right. take Shea Theodore or these other – take William Carlson, you know, guys who have just killed it with Vegas. That's a little different from this – and I guess it's included in that because those are those are players that were selected as part of the expansion draft. But if that's your logic and you're going to say – I mean, I wouldn't say Ryan McDonough is the Lightning's fourth best defenseman, but in terms of the, the likely players protected – on the blue line, he would be fourth based on his age, right? Behind Hedman, Sergachev, and Chernak. And if you're looking at it from that standpoint, 
and you're unable to make a side deal, which, you know, if you're not interested in making a side deal, maybe because the, the cost is going to be too much, that is an argument for going eight and one. And you say, we're going to protect fewer forwards, but we're only losing one forward. And we feel that we can do a more manageable job replacing whatever forward we lose. And we know that we're going to have to lose some players, to your point anyway, to free up cap space. That player, whoever it is, we can find a way to fill that gap better than Ryan McDonough's spot if we want to if we want to come back and win a third straight cup. I think everything you said makes sense. I, I think one of that's the that's kind of what I read from Joe's article. And, and he didn't it, have in there about the 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 Vegas numbers. I I read that elsewhere, but I'm tying it all together with it what, made sense what Joe said and what Elliot said yesterday. Well, and and it's almost like the win now approach. I also wonder too, Dave that if Tampa Bay had better depth on the back end, and when I say depth, take that however you want, whether it's a couple of up-and-comers ready to, to crack the lineup, maybe more so like a Cal Foot and maybe somebody else, or just more veterans on the back end that could replace McDonough in some capacity. I wonder how much of it is lack of depth, more so than McDonough's play, that would force Tampa Bay to want to protect McDonough as opposed to leaving him exposed. The other question, too, is what, what, which player are you willing to lose without getting, getting anything in return? True. And right. I think that is maybe the other question we have to ask ourselves. And that was something else Joe had in his article, that some of these guys that are at the forward position – it's it's a different it's a different environment than it was last off season. We'll say it wasn't the summer, but you know into October and November, yes, when people were uncertain about what was the season going to look like, how many games were we even going to have a season. They knew the cap was flat. This is a little different. And look, you don't think a team, and I'm just going to throw these names out there because they're the ones that that are among the players that, that are mentioned as guys that, that could depart. You don't think a team would like to have Andre Palat? You don't think a team would want Yanni Gord and more well, than one team? If you get more than one team interested, now Yanni has a full no trade, but if you get more than one team interested, you can throw the sweeteners out the window as far as I'm concerned for, for the receiving teams. Forget that. If you're in a bidding war with two or three other teams, now it becomes like, what are you giving up to get these players that might help you improve and maybe win a Stanley Cup yourself? It would be, and we're never going to know, we're going to know after this, is whose value was the greatest when we talk about the Lightning players, specifically at the forward position? Because you mentioned Palat, there's Gord. And they may be protected. I'm not saying that they're not going to be protected. I'm yeah, they just may. saying that like, if you need to move out yeah. salary and you have these guys who are in that mid-range level of like four and a half to five and a half million dollars a year, you may be, to your point, rather than losing a player to Seattle for nothing, and I'm making air quotes there because there is something to that because you're freeing up dollars but you're not getting assets back. You may get assets back if you hold I, on to that player and then try and actually negotiate a trade. I told Steve, and, I, and again, I think our audience understands we're pretty honest when it comes to our opinions as much right. as we can be. 
And the assets, by the way, would not include a, a dollar offset. <laughs> like we're yes. talking about younger players, picks, yes. but you're getting something in return. Sorry, in my ahead. opinion, I have no inside knowledge of this, just reading the tea leaves and just my own opinion as much as it can be informed. I think the Lightning in a perfect world would love Seattle to take Tyler Johnson. I think Tyler Johnson has the least value in terms of trading him to somebody else and getting something back. I, in other words, I think they'd be okay. He's the one guy where if you didn't get anything in return, if you had to give up an asset and didn't get anything in return, I think they could live with Tyler Johnson being plucked in the expansion draft. I think the other guys that might not be protected, particularly if they go with protecting four defensemen, because, Dave, the options, I, I was talking to Steve off the air before we began. I mean, right off the bat, Kucherov and Stamkos have to be protected, so you've got slim pickings there with who you can keep. And right away, for me, when I do the draft simulator and I keep four defensemen, the other two forwards outside of Stamkos and Kucherov, who I am keeping or protecting, is Braden Points and Anthony Sorelli. So in that instance, out of the guys that could be plucked, I would look at it and say, yeah, if Tyler Johnson was the one that was picked up, that would be best case scenario if I was Julian Brisewa. Because I think the other guys, you could probably cut a deal if you didn't if you couldn't keep them. But if you had to get rid of them and make a hockey trade, I think you can get a better hockey trade with Gord, Palat, Kalorn. And those would be the three main ones. I think you could get something back. And I think Julian Brisewa would probably look at that and say, you know what, all right, if I had to lose those guys, one or all of them, and hopefully that's not the case, those are guys that I could actually get something back in return. And I, I think that's how I would look at it. Because, boy, Dave, you are limited with who you can keep if you protect the four defensemen, which is why I took a risk and said, all right, I would leave McDonough exposed understanding that maybe I can keep a couple of extra forwards protected. But I understand that's a tough pill to swallow because McDonough played at a high level and has played at a high level since he's been with Tampa Bay. But also, too, what is the market for Ryan McDonough? Can you Are you, are you swallowing a couple of first-round picks if you just let him go for free? So I, I, I understand it's a juggling act. But in this specific model... I think the best-case scenario for Tampa Bay, if you're protecting four defensemen and you choose to keep Sorelli, Point, Stamkos, and Kucherov protected, would be Seattle picking Tyler Johnson and then Julian Brisewa figuring out to make some hockey deals with the other players I had mentioned to become cap-compliant, but also having your cake and eating it too, probably getting a really decent return for those players I mentioned. But how, then much, again, how much would it be worth it to you if you were Julian Breezebois to make a side deal with Seattle to ensure that they are taking Tyler Johnson? So I think... Understanding that you may get assets by keeping another player or two players and then trading those players. I think the potential to not only free up cap space, but more importantly, to get some assets from the Gourds, Palats, and Kalorns would, would make me do a side deal. 
and I have been very against the side deal, but now that we're kind of getting into the weeds here yeah. a bit, and, and we're I, kind I of... I saw the word exorbitant used when describing what Ron Francis' and what is exorbitant is asking is... price is so for if it these was, side deals. I mean, if, and again, I'm throwing this out there, folks, and I know you guys like to do this on Twitter, and we're do, actually doing it on a show, and, and uh, hopefully that makes it interesting for you. If they cut a side deal, and Julian Brisewa said, listen, take Tyler Johnson. And, and Ron Francis came back and said, all right, we'll take, we'll take him. But I, I, I need a couple of other players. <laughs> I, I'm, again, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, you know, well, does... with Vegas, and again, hard to know if it's apples to apples. It may not be apples to apples. But for Vegas to take Jason Garrison, and that was, that was also somewhat contract-related. It was. But the Lightning traded, what was it, a second-round pick and the rights to Nikita Gusev. Yes, you And there may have been something else in there, too. You are correct. Going off the top of my head. So maybe for me, with Johnson, it'd probably have to be another player on the roster and maybe another prospect. And we can debate whether that's a high-end prospect or not. I think the Lightning and their scouting department, that's not as big a deal if... You're, you're getting somebody that was drafted in the mid-rounds because I think this organization has shown that they can get guys in the fourth and fifth rounds who are still yeah. pretty productive. And so develop from, them, and which develop is a them. big part of it. So, you know, that, that could be part of the package. And even if it's not a high draft pick, I, I think a team would be willing to look at Tampa Bay's pool of prospects and say, all right, yeah, you know what, even though that's a third-round pick or fourth-round pick, you guys have done a great job identifying talents. And if you, if you say this guy is, is available to be taken – that certainly would be something we would look at. I think the other interesting thing is, and we have no way of knowing this, is does it get a little riskier after that? Does is there is there a trade out there that is going to involve a player that would shock us, and you know somebody that we're not thinking because maybe the pot has to be sweetened a bit. Maybe there's a contract down the road that Julian Briswell looking at and saying, you know what, that's going to cost us a lot, and we can't be in that pickle, and maybe we move that yeah. player now and get he bigger assets. I mean, Julian yeah. said that in his press conference earlier in the week. Yeah. He said if the price is – he didn't say if the price is too high, but he said, you know, if I can't work a deal with Seattle, maybe we just submit our list and they take a player and that's that. Here's another question for you, and it's hard to know exactly the mindset of Seattle <laughs> – we don't cover that team, but I'm, I'm going to ask you anyway. How important is it, do you think, for an organization? Look, there are great sports fans in Seattle. We've seen that with the Seahawks. Certainly, I mean, they have a, they have a soccer team up there that, that's crazy popular, too, an MLS team. They are going to get behind the Kraken, whether they have homegrown Correct. talent or not. By homegrown, I mean local to the area. So the two names that we have heard a lot, mentioned with Seattle and of course the one Tyler Johnson we've heard since Seattle was ordered a franchise people are just assuming Seattle is going to take Tyler Johnson right. because he's from Spokane the other is TJ Oshie who's from Everett Washington yeah he's a little older than Johnson very very productive player though I'm looking at his numbers this year he had 22 goals in 53 games for Washington and he's how old is he three straight 20 goal seasons and before that so five of the last six he scored 20 or more in his six seasons with the capitals and of course he had a great playoff the year they won the stanley cup 
But I read that, you know, Oshi sounds like he wants to stay in Washington and Washington kind of wants to keep Oshi. So if Oshi is protected, do you think it becomes any kind of a priority at all for Seattle to look at a player with roots in the area? Or is that just completely secondary or even beyond secondary to, to fielding the team that you want to field? I think a lot of that's going to depend, Dave, on who else they have at the forward position at that point once they do select from Tampa Bay or, you know, is where do they have Tyler Johnson ranked at their forward position? And I'm not sure because Seattle has a chance to be pretty competitive right away. And, and what a way to galvanize a fan base than to be a playoff team or be competitive. Yeah. I, mean, I think that and would they have the wonders. unfortunate comparison with Vegas, which yeah, is they unfair. Do. Yeah. I think what's interesting with Johnson is that maybe had we had this conversation a couple of years ago there may be a bigger push to to get a guy like that. I just, I don't know. I mean, Ron Francis is a smart guy. He's seeing everything that everybody else has seen. He is seeing the fact that the Lightning have put Johnson on waivers, and while Johnson's better at center than at wing, how much is left in the proverbial tank in terms of what are you going to get production-wise out of Johnson? Is he a legitimate second-line center still in this game? Is he a third-line center? And are you comfortable paying a guy like that um, being your third-line center. So I, I guess to answer your question, no. I don't know if it's a big deal for me, and I don't know if Tyler Johnson is somebody that would sell tickets even if he's from that area, maybe more so Tyler or TJ Oshie. So I, I think the ticket – I think that's – let's put it this way. I think the ticket thing is going to take care of themselves in that first year for Seattle, regardless of who is on that roster, and specifically somebody from that area. I think you're going to get enough enthusiasm where finding a ticket's going to be hard, and I don't think Tyler Johnson moves it, let's put it this way, right. one way or the other. But it's, it's, it's beyond selling tickets, though. I think it's, it's, it's helping forge a stronger bond between the team and the community. Derek England, and you remember him well because he played in Pittsburgh. I mean, yes. he was basically a six, seven, eight D-man for much of his career, but he had ties to Vegas. I don't think he was born in Vegas, but I think because he played there when they had a minor league team, if I'm remembering correctly, I think right. I he think had a right. house there. So, I mean, he yeah. was a resident. Yeah, yeah. And and that was a great pickup for Vegas. He, he was played he was really well for them the he first was, couple of years. He was very good. And was beloved. He was. Now, it helped that the team has been terrific you know, for and, four and straight years. Let's, let's face it, too. England, a different guy than, than Johnson, and it's easy, I think, to fall in love more with a guy like England at that point because physical defenseman could drop the gloves, a really good, you know, he's going to stick up for your, your teammates, and he was just, he was, I think, his skill set easier to gravitate towards, I think, than Tyler Johnson at this point because Johnson, I don't know what Tyler Johnson is offensively anymore. I don't. And I think it's a fair question to ask. Look, if he comes in and scores 30 goals for Seattle, boy, oh, boy. I mean, that's that's something you can really gravitate towards. It's Tyler Johnson a couple of years ago, can fly, he's got a good wrist right. shot. Uh, Anglin was a guy who was going to bang you, was going to stick up for his teammates, and, you know, he was going to entertain, he was going to drop the gloves. And, and that, I, I think you could easily see that and identify with that more so than – you know, Johnson's giving you 25 points through 45 games, and a bunch of those are secondary assists on the power play, and it's like, all right, well, am I seeing the true value yeah. of Tyler Johnson? Well, Joe did have another part in his article, so this this is a free plug for The Athletic if you're not already subscribing. I'll take my royalty you will. check any time now. 
But Joe had it from a number of sources that not really a source, but but people in the sport of hockey who felt that they would not be surprised if Johnson is on the Lightning at the start of next year. Now, whether that's because the the other players that you mentioned were a move was facilitated, the Lightning got more of a return from the whatever the reason, right? But I'll say this. If, if Tyler Johnson moving forward plays the way he did in the playoffs, and I know he didn't have the point totals that he did in some yeah. earlier playoff years, but he looked like the same guy. I mean, he had that burst of speed. He was sure. creating problems for the other team. He hit a bunch of posts, scored some huge goals, huge goals. I mean, at the Stanley Cup final performance in game three, I think was noteworthy because he had the two goals. But the goal he scored in the Carolina series when the Lightning rallied, that was one of the biggest goals the Lightning scored in that game and in the series. So whether it's with the Lightning or with another team, I mean, good for Tyler. Good for him that he had the playoff that he did. Well, and and if he can if he can kind of build on that and and continue playing that way, he'll help whatever team he's on. I think you're right, and I think if he's your center and he's playing with some skilled wingers to some extent, I think he can be very effective. And I think if you're the Lightning, you would just have to understand his salary is what it is. You're going to have to live with it, and you just hope that Tyler Johnson plays the way he did in the playoffs for you for the remainder of his Lightning tenure, however long, Dave, that may be. The question ultimately comes down to— I think the Lightning are committed to— to keeping him at center, though. Like, that experiment is over. And we I would saw agree. that in the final. Now, like, listen. After one game at, at wing, they're like, okay, we're putting the instance, this guy back at center. If you're telling me that Tyler Johnson is back, it's not a lock. There's a good chance Yanni Gord's not back then. Right. Which means you have well, to if probably Yanni then. Well, Gord is not back, Tyler Johnson presumably then becomes your third-line center. And that's, and that's behind the point. Behind Point and Sorelli. Can you live with Tyler Johnson being your third-line center at this Assuming point? Assuming Stamkos is playing wing, which he's been doing yes. regularly. And, and we years. can get into line combinations because, again, we don't know who's coming back. But, again, that's assuming – look, you're, as I said before, what's, what's kind of scary for the lighting is their whole third line could be gone. And I've told you on the record, and I'll yeah. stand by it, push comes to shove, I'm going to say one of those guys for sure is going to be back. I don't know who. I don't. I think we'll have a better idea once we get through the expansion draft, obviously, who. Because I think Yanni Gord's a big piece of that. But I will say this. I think the only way Tyler Johnson is not here is if it's a side deal. Well, let That's, me ask you one other hypothetical, and then we can get to... Does that make sense, though? No, it does. Okay. I, I, look, I... You mean a side deal with? So with Seattle, Seattle is going to have to take. Seattle is going to have to like. So for you the think for draft, Seattle to take him, it's going to require a side deal. And it's it's just it just depends on how much Julian Breezewell wants to give up to get rid of the contract, while at the same time keeping some assets, whether they play for your team next year or moving them for better assets in a trade. Right. That's how I look at it. So I'm going to tie this last point back to where we started with 7-3-1 and one versus 8-1. and one. And I'm just picking Gord because you mentioned him. And, and if Gord is gone through expansion draft or trade and Johnson isn't, and whether it's Johnson or somebody else filling that spot at center, 
my hypothetical question is it's not even a hypothetical yeah it's it's a question which player is more difficult to replace either within the organization or or finding a player that that wouldn't cost you very much to 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 do what this player has done for you or closer to what this player has done for you closer to filling the role would it be Yanni Gord or Ryan McDonough I think Ryan McDonough would be I harder, agree with you. harder to fill. Yeah, I agree with you. He'd be harder to fill for sure. And it, as I much think... as as much as Yanni Gord has done, yeah. And again, fans, I'm not saying Yanni Gord is not going to be in the team next year, but we're we're trying to wrap our head around like where are the priorities about how you're protecting your your team. What what choice are you going with? Seven, three, and one, or eight and one? And I guess as I think about it today, I keep coming back to the the fact that, yeah, McDonough is 32. He's got five years left. Maybe in a couple of years we're going to be saying, you know, it becomes a harder contract. <laughs> hopefully not. I mean, hopefully he plays at the level that we, we have seen him play at. I mean, he just had a marvelous playoff this year. And, and the I fact think- that he did it with a broken hand is is incredible. And I makes think it if even you're more lose... incredible. But like, I just keep yeah. coming back to this this point again. Like, Ryan McDonough was such an invaluable part. I know of what the Lightning were able to do this year. He was, and the the contract is the only wa- reason why I left him exposed in my initial draft. I know. I think a lot of people feel the same way. Like, well, and I even said that when you mentioned it. Well, if they Seattle takes him, you know, six point seven five off the books, Sergachev moves up. You know, and that doesn't it stinks, but you got to find a way to replace it. But I guess when you frame it that way, like is is a water bug energizer bunny with offensive upside who's incredibly a pain in the you know what to play against harder to replace or a guy who is the shutdown defenseman? And plays in every situation and gets the hardest assignments. Of course, the quarter line got a lot of that assignments. Dave, those assignments too. I, I think a le- another legitimate reason to keep Gord over McDonough. Who else are you losing? In other words, the Lightning, their calling card this year was yes, extremely deep, extremely talented, but really hard to play against. And why were they hard to play against? Well, everybody talked about Goodrow and Coleman coming in, changing kind of the identity of the team a bit, in addition to other guys buying in and playing that way. McDonough was a big part of that, but Gord also was a big part of that. If you all of a sudden, there is a chance that you lose your third line completely. Look, I'm not saying it's ideal. But that, I just what I'm saying you is, the question. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just talking I don't want to lose any of them. Well, no, I, well, <laughs> I right. want everybody to come but back. But what I'm saying is, like, we talk about McDonough being, in many ways, irreplaceable because of the lack of depth behind him. My thing is with Gord, if you lose Coleman and Goodrow to free agency, does Gord become more of a guarantee to keep in some way? Because now you have to change. You have to find guys that can play with that sandpaper. And just because guys like Radish and Kachuk may be ready, right? I don't know. I don't know if they can play that way. I mean, I, I've seen it with Goodrow, Coleman, yeah. and Gord. And if you lose two out of the three, not named Yanni Gord, does Yanni Gord all of a sudden become more of a priority because of 
the identity of your team, which changed after the Columbus series, really fit the style of that third line. And if you take a couple of those guys out, now all of a sudden you have to find some guys who can play that way. And I, based off of the guys we saw this year get a cup of coffee, I don't know if there are those players. Yeah. And I think that's fair to point out. The flip side to that is, if you do lose McDonough, let's say you, you didn't protect him, that doesn't mean Julian Breezewell can't go out and make a hockey deal to get a, a defenseman. Now, it's going to have to fit in the budget. We know right. that. And you're going to have to give up probably a forward. That and the reality is 6.75 is, is, is a starting point, but it's probably not enough. In fact, I think I'm, I'm comfortable saying it's not going to be enough. Correct. But it ties in. Ties in. We'll take a break. I'll tease it because I want to get to some questions. But it does tie in to what could be going on in St. Louis. If you haven't heard that story, we'll bring it to you when we return. Taking your tweets as well, at Bolts Radio. I am Greg Lanelli. He is Dave Mishkin, Steve Ersnick producing. Elliot Freeman reporting hearing Florida will be buying out Keith Yandel. So you're going to keep seeing some of these pop up here and there. Shea Weber has some issues with his health. We'll talk about that as well. It is Power Lunch right here on Lighting Power Play. Lightning fans, the Bolts are back-to-back champs. Score your official 2021 Stanley Cup Champions gear by visiting one of our Tampa Bay Sports locations at Amelie Arena, International Plaza, or online at tampabaysports.com. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, glad you're with us. We covered a lot of ground in that previous segment. We're going to cover more ground right now. I am Greg Linelli along with Dave Michigan. Steve Ersnick producing. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio or at Greg Linelli at Dave Michigan. We do have a poll question up on my personal Twitter page. How many players do you think the Lightning will lose this offseason? Two, three to four, or five plus? And the votes are really starting to come in. We'll get to a total once we sign off. But Dave, speaking of defensemen and just what teams are going to do before the expansion draft or just even in the offseason, I came across a tweet from our good friend uh, Lucas who had said to me, wouldn't it be crazy if the Lightning somehow were able to acquire uh, Vladimir Tarasenko? And I, I did a double take because I said, really? L- let, me, let me check it out. And apparently Jeremy Rutherford, who covers the Blues for the Athletic, had in his article yesterday that, if you haven't heard, Tarasenko has told the Blues that he wants to be dealt. And I guess, this, Dave, this stems from difference of opinions on how they've handled his shoulder surgeries over the last couple of years. He's been yeah. very displeased with how, I guess, their medical staff went about it and the recovery process and just in general. And so I guess that relationship cannot be salvaged. And because of that, he is now on the trading block. What's interesting about the article is that, I guess, Tarasenko gave the Blues a list of at least 10 clubs to which he can be traded. Rutherford says, of those teams, two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay appears to be Tarasenko's preference, but... The Lightning are already well over the $81.5 million salary cap. And Pierre Lebrun, I guess, was quoted in this article confirming that, obviously. 
Tarasenko what? wants to be on the boat without a shirt, like <laughs> Kucherov, Vasilevsky, and Sergachev. I love it. There's no doubt. I'm sure that Russia connection helps. I'm sure the state of Florida offers a lot of great qualities, a lot of good things for, for athletes to take in. So I understand that as well. And less, first and foremost, they win. They're, they're a really good team, and they're coming off back-to-back Stanley Cups. It's also interesting, they go on to say in the article, Rutherford says, could they package Tarasenko and defenseman Vince Dunn in a deal before Saturday's 2 p.m. trade freeze, avoiding the loss of, say, a draft pick to unload Tarasenko and getting something in return for Dunn? I guess Dunn has fallen out of favor, and it looks like the Blues, they plan to protect uh, Colton Perrieco, Justin Falk, Tory Krug, and leaving Dunn exposed. And he's fallen out of favor with some in the organization. They don't want to lose him in the expansion draft. So I don't know. Listen, the Tarasenko thing I think is a big leap just because of how much he makes. I think the Lightning, as Julian said, they need to probably shed some salary before they start talking about adding some players. But the Vinny Dunn angle was interesting. And I'm wondering, and, and look, I'm reading the tea leaves again. I get the sense they're, they're going to protect McDonough. But if they didn't and they lost McDonough, is somebody like a Vinny Dunn, who's a restricted free agent, Dave, somebody that they would look to target who might be more affordable and younger, and you might be able to give up an asset or two to become cap compliant, and then you you could in some ways recover the loss of McDonough in some capacity. I don't know about Tarasenko. Actually, Dunn was the guy that caught my attention in that article because it seems like there is a possibility there for for a hockey deal let's put it this way, to be made. And if McDonough is gone, you know, would somebody like Dunn be attractive to a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, assuming they have the assets to pull that off? Well, that's the thing, assuming they have the assets. Tarasenko is a high-skill elite player. He may have one of the – he does. He has one of the best shots in the league. We often talk about, you know, Ovechkin and Stamkos with the slap shot, McKinnon – has an incredible everything shot. He's got an incredible right, right, slap right. shot, wrist shot. He can zing it off the rush. Tarasenko is right there with those guys. But if we're looking at the sorts of players the Lightning may be looking to replace, I mean, they're not going to need to replace Kucherov. They're not going to need to replace, you know, their high-end elite skill guys. And do you want to allocate $7.5 million toward one player right. when you're going to have presumably holes to fill. But that's that's one way of looking at it. Who knows? I mean, I often say I don't have a crystal ball. So, I mean, there may be some other factors at play here of which I am unaware. I like Dunn. I think Dunn is a good defenseman. Won a Stanley Cup with the Blues in 2019. But again, I mean, I think a lot of this is, is contingent on what parts are moving, right? <laughs> are the Lightning needing to find a defenseman to fill a gap made by someone else's departure. And we just don't know yet. We don't. Let's get to some questions. Busta Beak. We always love Busta. He says, totally agree with your 731. This was a day ago when I initially, Dave, gave my 731 yeah. draft or expansion draft. He said, "Is C- totally agree with 731. 
if Seattle takes McDonough, big loss, but Serg moves up to play with Chernak. Just got to find a left-handed D for the third pair. I'm guessing that they'll pose Savard and Coleman. If they can somehow get Goodrow back, that would look pretty solid to me. Noel Time says, Greg, my list is the same as yours, except I added Joseph over Killer. But the more I think about it, maybe the Lightning need to keep Killer. Tough call. I don't think a team, and meaning Seattle, would take Matthew Joseph. I could be wrong, Dave. I could be reading that completely wrong. I just think right. the Lightning have more guys that are, are, are more impactful and more of a certain thing right now at this point than Joseph. But then again, I mean... You know, I think if Ron, if Ron Francis was looking to strictly take a younger player who's not as proven, I would probably take Colton over Joseph, assuming neither one was protected. So a couple of things I'm just going to say, and, and fans know this, but I think it bears repeating. You cannot protect everyone. So there are a lot of players that are going to be left unprotected, but you're only losing one. So just because you leave like four to five players, you might say, boy, I really like to keep these guys. How can we leave them unprotected? You know, if it's five and one of them gets picked, you still have the other four. Yep. So just reiterating that, keep that in mind. You're only losing one player. The other thing is, and and I don't really remember how Vegas did this i remember vegas got a lot of players because they got a lot of players through side deals but i think there is something in the expansion draft rule one of the many rules besides that 14 forwards nine defensemen three goalie minimum out of the expansion draft like seattle needs to get to a percentage of the cap now i don't know if that i think it's 60 is just million, through right? the 30 million. players yeah. Like, is that just through the 30 players they're selecting? And, of course, your your opening night roster is going to have 23 players. So if they take 30 players and all 30 of those players stay in the organization and they then don't subsequently move some of those players, which is what Vegas did, you know, and then they've also got other players. Like, they're going to sign players through free agency. They're going to draft players. Whether I mean, they have the number two overall pick. They may pick a player, and that player may come to their team. But the thing to keep in mind is, like, they do need to add salary. Like, yeah. they can't just take 30 guys who are on their entry-level deals in year three. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing that that the math doesn't work out that way. They're going to need some players with some heft to their contract to get that number up. And the players who are making, let's say, Tarasenko-type money and up like presumably are not going to be available. Well, and right. Go ahead, Steve. Well, I was going to say the one thing Vegas did, they had to, you had I think it's like 60 or 61 million as Greg said, but they took players with some heft but with one year left on their deal. Right. They didn't take a lot of players that had 3 years, 4 years remaining on a contract. Like Jason Garrison in the side deal. Yes. They took them but up when the we're talking about he, yeah. Colton and Joseph. Right. Right. Like they are not they're not going to eat up yes, a correct. lot of Cam, now you can take some players like that, but you can't have a full roster of players right. like that. That's why, Steve, and, and you mentioned this off the air, I think a guy like Pilat is probably more attractive than even a Yanni Gord because Gord has more term, and he's at 29. You know, Pilat, how many years left does he have One. on his contract? So he, yeah. he could be a perfect fit 
from that standpoint. But I, I guess it just depends on what Seattle wants to do. Again, I'm making the prediction now that it sounds like the Lightning would be willing to protect four defensemen. And in that case, I think your point is very well taken, Dave. Is it a backdoor deal if you take Johnson, but also giving up some assets? How big of a package is that? Or are you just comfortable, to your point, with just losing one player? Now, if that one player happens to be Yanni Gord, and you can't sign Goodrow and Coleman, I do think that's a bit of a predicament. <laughs> because I right. think your whole third line is gone, and you've lost, I think, some identity to your team. And so that's why I would almost, in that instance, McDonough is kept. There is a deal made. Johnson goes to Seattle, but multiple assets are tagged along with him to protect the team from A, keeping Gord, Pilat, and Kalorn, but may, maybe more importantly, Dave, also giving the Lightning an opportunity to actually make a hockey deal to get something in return if you lose any of those three players. That is kind of where my mindset is right now after talking this through. And I think that actually makes some sense. The question just becomes how much does Julian Breeswell want to give up right, to protect the Gords, the Palats, and the Kalorns from A, staying on their team and helping them, or B, and maybe more importantly, actually getting some value for those players in an actual hockey trade to replace what you're missing, not only from that said player, but also maybe who you lost in, in free agency. The other thing, Dave, which could help out, it, it's still going to force Tampa Bay to make a hockey move because they're, they're going to have to trade some salary here. I mean, they're just going to have to. Seattle can strike a deal with an unrestricted free agent from the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that yes. would be the pick. Yes. That would be the pick. So let's say Ron Francis is like, you know what? I really like Barkley Goodrow. Can I, can I talk to him and can I sign him? And look, Goodrow may get more than he may ever get on the open market. Maybe Seattle's like, look, I'll give you four mm -hmm. years, $16 million. If that happens, now you're losing Goodrow, who's a phenomenal player for this Lightning team. But it does maybe give Julian more options to make some hockey trades and also to retain maybe one or two guys that he didn't think otherwise he'd keep, Dave. There's one other way to think about the McDonough question, because I think that's really where, along with the Yanni Gord question, because you make a good point about wiping out that whole line, which was such a big part of both championship runs for the Lightning. So I posed the question to you before the break, Greg, like how would you how would you try to even replace what Ryan McDonough gave you particularly this playoff year, let's say. Well, maybe the Lightning look at it and say, you know, the guy who is going to do more? Yes, Sergachev, but also Absolutely. Victor Hedman. Yeah, you're right. Victor Hedman was playing hurt this playoff year. If we are going to go under the assumption that he is going to be healthy and not be dealing with a knee problem, maybe Hedman... I mean, he already plays a lot, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, for sure, it's a good point. Maybe, maybe yeah. the way that we used McDonough, we're gonna we're gonna 
divvy some of that responsibility. I'm kind of oversimplifying it here, but we're going to divvy that responsibility between Sergachev, who is continuing to grow and evolve as a player and as a cornerstone piece, and Hedman, who will be healthy moving forward. I think that's a fair point. And that that's how we kind of crack this nut. And then we do go 7-3-1 and one in the event that we happen to lose McDonough in the expansion draft if we go 7-3-1. and one. That's how we deal with, with McDonough's departure, and then we can protect some of these other forwards. Which I know I'm kind of going in circles here because I'm yep. going opposite what I said in the earlier segment. I'm not saying the Lightning are going to do that, but I'm saying like that is one consideration about how they may look at it. It's a good point. And again, we're, we're speculating. Again, my sense is based off of some of the articles we've written, maybe some of the things that Julian has said, and maybe more importantly what Elliot has mentioned about trying to three-peat, and they're serious about doing that, and the way you do that is to keep Ryan McDonough, that he is the guy that you keep. That's four defensemen there. And then from there, you have to get creative with what you want to do at the forward position. I will say this. I think it'd be a tough pill to swallow, and I'm not sure they do this if they see their third line completely wiped out. I think that's a fair point. Who who leaves, who stays, Dave, that can be argued and debated. I just think that's not going to happen because I think that, in many ways, changed the identity of your team and helped you win in a very big way two Stanley Cups because they made such a big deal about bringing Coleman and Goodrow in and how that gave them more sandpaper and tougher yeah. to play against. I just think that's a really tough thing to lose all three. I don't think that happens, and I think if you do lose all three, you're probably in a situation where there's some hockey trades involved there as opposed to maybe just losing Yanni Gore to Seattle straight up. Bob says, lots of difficult decisions to make. Are you still expecting big news? I trust Julian Breezewell will do the best we can. Well, look, I, I think... When you say big news, Bob, I think any player the Lightning lose on their roster is going to be big news because it's back-to-back Stanley Cup champs. Every one of those guys, they were very important to what Tampa Bay did. So the fact that we're talking about one guy leaving, but most likely multiple, I think a lot of fans and the players, I think you want to lessen the blow. You want to soften the blow if you're Julian Breezewell. And I think if he can keep Dave one or two guys from leaving and keeping them on this team, then I think that's something that he would he would look to do. The, I mean, look, the flip side is I, I don't know if any of these free agents are willing to take less, assuming Tampa Bay has money, Dave, to work with. We haven't even talked about David Savard, and I guess it's a foregone conclusion that he would be going. But, um, you know, is it a situation where if McDonough were to leave, are you doing everything you can to keep a guy like Savard and, and maybe right. paying him a little less? That might be a guy Seattle talks to. It could be. As a UFA. It could be. I mean, he's a top four defenseman. He got yep. better as, no the, doubt. as the year went on. You know, there are some options there um, for the Lightning. But, I mean, we, we've kind of just – it's sad to say, but I think we've – at least I have. I don't want to put words in Dave's mouth. I have just come to the conclusion that they're not going to be able to keep – the three unrestricted free agents in Coleman, Goodrow, and Savard, unless something drastic opens up. I actually, one guy I think you might be able to keep, Dave, it's not a deal breaker, but I think he was valuable the last two years, would be keeping Luke Shen. Mm-hmm. 
I think that would be fair. Again, he's not. I don't. He know signed if, a team friendly deal two years in a row, and he's played. I mean, look, and it's not like he was just he sat on the bench. I mean, he he was very valuable to that yeah. team in a pinch when they needed him. He'd I think a, the two guys who deserve a specific shout out for the way that they navigated through really both playoff runs, although Joseph didn't get into a game last year, but this year for sure are Shen and Joseph, and credit goes to them for the work they put in when they weren't in the lineup and not knowing if they would even get into the lineup. Yep. But they kept themselves ready, and when they were called on, they delivered for sure. They did. I mean, that that's being as professional as you can. When people say, you know, you have to be a professional, Dave, that's that's what being a professional is, being ready to go when you're not playing as much as you like. Al says, if Seattle decides to take Foot or Colton and let the Lightning twist in the wind with its cap problem, what then? Trade players for future picks? Wave players to get under the cap, thus losing assets with no return? Tough to play catch-up. Well, I think the Lightning feel, and again, based on what Julian Breezeboss said to Joe, the Lightning feel that there will be a market to make trades this offseason, even with a flat cap. Yes. Teams want to improve, and teams want Stanley Cup champions on their team. I don't think Colton and Joseph are going to be the guys who are picked. Let's put it that way, Al. And Yeah, that was the other part of his comment. I just I don't see that happen. Even though I had Colton actually protected in my original list. You said Colton and Joseph. He said Colton and Foot. Or Colton, he? yes, he did. You're right. Yeah. I I don't think I don't think either one of those are gonna get picked. If I had to guess which one would be picked though, I, I would actually take Colton just because the body of work I saw from him was a bit more impactful than Foot. But then it, it just depends on how much you value the back end in a young defenseman like that. Uh, 21 Peppa Paz, <laughs> whatever that means. I, I'm probably butchering it. He's, nice alliteration there, my friend. This was um, in, in regards to our poll question we had, Dave, about how many players do you think the Lightning will lose this offseason? Uh, he or she says they'll lose very talented depth players, Goodrow, Coleman, et cetera and replace them with prospects who have been developing for years in the AHL, like Barboulet, Radish, and Kachuk. Kyle Foote will have to take a step forward in his development, but can still be sheltered on a third pair. Dustin says, Coleman, Goodrow, Savard are UFAs, cap casualties, and it's probably one to two players due to trades to free up cap, depending on who Seattle takes. Also likely have a new backup, too which is interesting. With, yeah, um, Joe had in there that the Lightning, I, I don't want to not get it exactly right. It sounded like they were open to having McElhinney come back for another year, but there may be this, some other options Yeah, for free agent goalies that may fit the bill literally and figuratively because the Lightning cannot look to, to spend a lot on a backup goalie. The poll question so cap far... Concerns. Approaching 300 votes at the time of this show, Dave, 72% of the people out there right now think the Lightning will lose three to four players. 14% say five or more. 14% at two. Yeah, I'm probably above the three to four if we're including... The UFAs. Let, so the UFAs of the three, let's say two of them. Yep. And there may be... It may be three, like you said, but if two of them are are not brought back, 
the Lightning find a way to bring one of them back, and I think we would be in agreement that it would probably be Goodrow based on what Savard is going to get on the open market and what Coleman is probably going to get on the open market. And Goodrow deserves a raise too, yep. but he was starting at a lower point than, than the other two guys. So that's two. You're losing one to Seattle is three. Uh, are we are we thinking the Lightning can, can get to where they need to get Cap wise, moving one additional player, I think it's I think it's probably more than well. That. In addition to, don't they have to sign at some point here too? Uh, Braden Point. I mean, he's a restricted free agent, right? I mean, not not this not, year, but next I mean, summer. are they gonna are they gonna try and take care of that now? You think? Well, that they... contract wouldn't go into effect though, right? Until twenty twenty two, the following twenty three. That's a good point. And yes, so we'll as of well, it's usually July one, whatever the first day of of the new calendar year of contracts, whenever that starts, that's when a player, if he has one year left on his contract, can sign an extension. Gotcha. I don't know if they're going to do that. Yeah. I mean, point is still restricted. So the bridge deal that he signed did not get him to unrestricted free agency. The other thing to remember about point, so like he's going to be paid as he should be paid, as one of the top guys on the team, one of the top guys in the league. But it's not like he's starting at, you know, the entry-level number. I mean, he is making next year 6.75. So whatever his raise is... If it's up to eight, it's only, what, a million and a half? I think it's... Well, I mean, I don't want to speak for for Point or his agent or the Lightning, but let's say he gets Kudrov money, 9.5. That's a raise of, of two... 2.75 2.75 million. 2.75 million would get him to Kucherov's salary. Just as a point of reference. It's a good point. We're going to do it he all for sure, he for sure the Lightning are going to look to get him locked up. <laughs> I think that's Yeah, he'll get That's that's the understatement of the year. Well, he's going to get a bump. Guys like Sorelli, they're going to get a bump. You know, at some point, although to your point at 4.8 with Sorelli how much more is he realistically going to make? And he's got he's got two years left. Yes. As do Chernak and Sergachev. So really, like, and this was another point that Joe had. It was a long article. But, I mean, like, the, the other difference between this offseason and the last offseason, the Lightning do not have a lot of guys they need to get re-signed. I mean, if we're not including the UFAs. But Colton is a restricted free agent, as is Barry Boulay. Radish, I think, too. I'm looking at the RFAs. Cal Foot is an RFA without arbitration rights. Yeah, and then you go to the guys who were who who were basically in Syracuse, but were were up with the team as as you know part of the Black Aces. Radish, Kachuk, Ryan Lowen, who's a college player, has arbitration rights. But, I mean, the Lightning are in a much different spot than they were in last offseason when they had these RFAs that were coming out of their entry-level deals that were all needing raises, Chernak, Sergachev, and Sorelli. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is the summer of not re-signing restricted free agents. It's about, unfortunately, shedding money so that you can get under the cap. We're closer to finding out the answer to these questions that we've had. Hopefully... You guys have enjoyed the banter. We'll do it again tomorrow. Hopefully have a guest on as well. Also, uh, we'll replay probably Elliot Friedman into 
expansion draft weekend a bit as rosters will be submitted. We'll get an idea of what that looks like on Sunday, I believe, is uh, when those yeah, rosters teams will be have to submit it Saturday and the yeah. league releases the list. So we'll have a lot to talk about on Friday on or Sunday. Monday. Yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about on Monday for sure. But we'll do it again tomorrow, noon to one. Partner, great job as always. You too. Appreciate the banter. Talk Thanks. to you tomorrow. Thanks to Steve Ersnick, and thanks to you for listening. Always hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio, and check out that poll question, at Greg Linelli as well. I am Greg Linelli. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.